welcome to The Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. All right. Well, good morning, Real Church. Did you guys have a good week? Awesome. My name is David John Phillips. I'm the pastor here at Real Church. And as I say every Sunday, and I mean it every single Sunday, there is absolutely no place that I would rather be than right here getting to preach the good news of the gospel to you. To, and it's an honor, actually. It's an absolute honor that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Real Church. So could you give yourself a hand if you don't mind? And as my wife so elegantly said, if this is your first time, then you are our VIP, you're our first-time guest, and we pray that you felt at home, you felt welcome, you felt the very tangible love of Jesus from the moment that you drove into the parking lot until the time that you made it to your seat. And I know that you will walk away from here today and every time that you come to Real Church encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. Amen? That's our prayer. So... With that being said, Courtney already said that we are uh, getting into the Elements series. We like to do series here at Real Church. I just think it's awesome to unpack a topic or a series of topics. It gives people something to look forward to. Well, with the Elements series, the the reason for the title, uh, we get it from Webster's Dictionary. Uh, The definition of Elements is the simplest principles of a subject of study. Right? So the simple, simplest principles of a subject of study. So we're going to be digging into some of the core elements of the Christian faith, three specific ones. Number one is baptism. Right? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some things that a lot of Christians say all of the time, but I'm not really sure that we really understand exactly the gravity of what is being said. We might just say stuff like, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But what does that really mean? What, I'm getting ahead of myself. Number two, (laughs) we're going to talk about, uh, next Sunday, we're going to talk about communion. So we're talking about baptism this Sunday, then we're actually having baptism next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about communion. The, you know, when, when you hear the elements, if you're been in church speak for any amount of time, then maybe you think uh, the bread and the wine, the elements there. So we're actually going to talk about that and what that means for us practically today. But then next Sunday when we do that, we're also going to take communion together as a church corporately, which is awesome and wonderful, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, some people are super excited. And then uh, the third Sunday of the series, we're going to be talking about, oh, there it is, community. Community, it's an important part. Like, we are the body of Christ, the church together. But then also, we do church, we do community, not only on Sundays, but in small groups, right? Small groups, discipleship groups that, that are around a, an area of interest, but give you the opportunity to build strong friendships, brotherhood, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, and to grow in your relationship with Jesus because of that, being challenged one another, like digesting what you heard on Sunday. But not only that, because you build strong relationships with one, one another in, in groups, you know, they're able to help you and when you're, when, encourage you when you're struggling. And it's just an important part of being a Christian is not being isolated. Amen? It's so vital. Isolation kills. But community encourages, strengthens, and grows. So... 
Today is baptism. That's what we're talking about today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for these amazing, mighty men and women of God sitting in front of me before me. A lot of them don't even realize that they're mighty men and women of God, that they're your sons and daughters chosen before the foundation of the world, that you care about them, that you love them more than they realize, more than they know. And some of them have received and will receive that for the first time today. And I'm excited about that. Lord God, I pray that you open up our minds, open up our understanding, let us see and hear your word. Not me, not some you know, cool speech where people walk away and say, oh, that was good, but no, life-changing your word that impacts our lives for eternity, Father. Get me out of the way. And Father, let me, as Paul prayed, let me communicate the gospel clearly today as I should. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought this? I gave my life to Jesus, but I can't seem to win in the battle against sin. My bad habits are still bad habits. What is going on? I don't understand why, God. Have you ever thought that before? Does anybody have that question? If that's you, would you? The rest of you are kind of like an imaginary raising your hand, but really you know it's you and you just don't want anybody to see you. I'm having you. <laughs> even, even me... I'm a pastor, and there have been so many times in my life where I have felt, felt defeated by some repeated mistake. The temptation is to get stuck there, and that is literally a temptation. The longer I stayed in that stinking way of thinking, because that is what it is, the longer I repeat the same mistake. So I need to shift my mindset because if I don't, if I stay in a certain way of thinking and thinking about that mistake and repeating it over and over and over, I run the risk of thinking that it's no longer just a mistake, but it is who I am. I can't stop lying. I'm struggling with lying so much. I'm a liar. When I run the risk when I, when I repeat it over and over and I think it's who I am, then I run the risk of not trusting Jesus with who he says that I am and what he says about that mistake and those mistakes. This is a lie that keeps us stuck in sin, stuck with the hopeless excuse of I just can't help it. A lie that many Christians believe and today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of freedom. Look at your neighbor and say, today is the day of freedom. Look at the other one and say a little bit more confidently. Today is the day of freedom. Freedom comes in understanding baptism. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Or don't you know... That all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Just verse 3 again. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Death. Christianity is all about death. 
And there's a reason for that because for us, life comes out of death. Before we go into baptism and before we understand what exactly that means, we have to understand two things, two very important things. First, we must understand what the blood of Jesus does. And second, we must understand what death in Christ does. Now, if you have your phones, you can pull out your phones, go to realchurch.us. If you want to follow along with the notes, you can actually take notes on that. We have everything where you can do it on your phone. Go to realchurch.us, click on this Sunday, and then click on view sermon notes. All of my notes, almost all of them. I have to, I can't just read along everything. But almost all of my notes are right there. If you click on it, it'll open up in the Bible app. It'll be awesome and wonderful. You can follow along that way, or you can go and look at that after service today, but it's going to be fun. So number one, what the blood of Jesus does, and number two, what the death of Christ does or death in Christ does. Now this is going to sound super like out there, right? Well, what does that mean for me today? It is very practical. It matters, and I want to break it down so that we can understand what that means for us today, here and now, what it means for our life. What it means for that question we asked in the, in the beginning that many of us struggle with. So number one, the blood. What does the blood do? What does the blood of Jesus do for us really? Two things. Number one, the blood of Jesus satisfies God. The blood of Jesus satisfies God. Let me explain what I mean. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. In verse 22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Because of the blood of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Question, how many sins does the blood forgive? Good. Exactly. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sins or every sin, depending on the translation. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, forgives us of every sin. Sin legally separated us from God and made us guilty before him. But the blood of Jesus legally satisfied God and restored our purity before him. Because of the blood, our sins are forgiven. Because our sins are forgiven, our sin debt is satisfied before God. We can have relationship with him. So number one, the blood satisfies God. Everybody say, the blood satisfies God. Good. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. And just let this wash over you as I read it. It says this. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. (laughs) That's you. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, I'm talking to Christians here, those who have given their life to Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, stop. Because of his blood, 
we have forgiveness and the opportunity to freely enter into the most holy place. That, that means freely enter into his presence. Enter into relationship. Enter into, uh, uh, the Bible would say, the throne room, which is where he is. Now we can freely do that because the blood satisfies God. If the blood satisfies God, Then, number two, the blood should satisfy us as well. What do I mean? Follow me here. This whole Christian life is by faith. We live by faith and not by feeling. We live based on what his word says, not how we feel. You've heard that over and over if you've been coming here for any amount of time. It's crucial. Too often, this is what happens to us. Let me set the scenario. Before we're born again, before we give our life to Jesus, before all of that, we're living and our conscience has been violated. Okay? Our conscience has been violated. So, and it's different for different people, quote unquote, you know. Some people, they just get so used to doing, you know, lying or telling these white lies or whatever that the, the conscience doesn't even bother them about these white lies anymore. Okay? Some people get so used to cheating on their taxes that cheating on their taxes doesn't even bother their conscience anymore whatsoever. Some people get so used to, you know, the, the culture says for men, hey, it's just normal. Pornography is a, is a, is a normal thing. Okay? And so, so people get so used to pornography that it's accepted in the culture, not the culture of heaven, but the culture of this world. And so it just becomes so normal that their conscience really doesn't bug them about it anymore. It's just a normal part of life. Some people, it's going to conferences and and cheating on their wife when they're at conferences. Oh, everybody does it. It's not a big deal. It just becomes a normal part of life. Some people, it's alcohol. It's it's getting drunk. It's it's drugs. It's you name it, whatever it is. Your conscience becomes um, um, defiled, if that that makes sense, or it becomes um, messed up, if you will, to where life is just normal living in sin. Disconnected, yeah. Okay, so then what happens? Then we give our life to Jesus. We we accept Christ. We accept what he's done for us. We, We receive Jesus. And what happens? Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says, he gives us a new heart. He he changes our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So you are, in, a inst- in an instant, in a moment, you are made completely and totally brand new. So now that means your conscience is made new as well. Right? So because you're a new, per- a new person, God's, God's created you new. You have this brand new, like, new everything. But on the outside, you still have many of these old habits. You're new on the inside, but you still have many of these old habits. You haven't shifted, renewed your mind to the reality of what God's done on the inside. So so you have habits of going to these places. You have habits of thinking these ways, but God's made your heart new. So what happens is, is when you go back and do the thing that you used to do, that used to be absolutely normal to you, it didn't bother you at all. You gave your life to Jesus, you go back and do that very thing, and then all of a sudden, your conscience screams at you, What are you doing? You get this knot in your stomach like, I just messed up. 
something's wrong here. What used to be wrong is, I mean, used to be right is now wrong because you've been made new. So all of a sudden, your, your, your brand new conscience is screaming at you. Whoa, don't do that again. It's not okay. And, and you're like, your gut knots up and you feel guilty. Right? Anybody experienced that before? You feel guilty. Convicted. Conviction is guilty. Right? So then you begin to feel guilty before God. Now I have a question for you. Are you guilty before God? You feel guilty before God, but are you guilty before God? Remember, the blood of Christ has forgiven us before God. It satisfied him. The blood was valuable enough to pay for all our sin, even the one we just committed. Does our guilty conscience undo Jesus' payment for our sin? Does our feeling of sinfulness override the truth of our forgiveness? Now, I hear a lot of people saying no, and that's good, but there's a lot of people that are really silent right now. This is for you. And I like you guys talking back to me, so I'm not saying don't, please. <laughs> I like the amens. But no, the blood satisfied God. So when you feel guilty, it doesn't take away the fact that you are forgiven. Your feelings don't discount the truth of God's word. So now the blood can satisfy our guilty conscience as well. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read it again. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, which is his presence, by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, which is Jesus, over the house of God. Listen to this. Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, with the full assurance faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. So I see three things. A sincere heart, full assurance that faith brings, and hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We sincerely love Jesus. We sincerely just screwed up. But we have faith because we have confidence in what his word says. Faith over what we feel that we are forgiven. And we can let his blood cleanse us from a guilty conscience. How? How does that happen? I have a feeling some, some people are kind of on the edge of their seats. Like this is like, how, how? How do we set our guilty conscience at rest? First John chapter 3. Verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, here it's talking about a guilty conscience. It's right there. This is how we set our hearts at rest. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So if our hearts condemn us, God's word is greater than our hearts. God, his word is him. 
God's word is greater than our hearts. So what he has said about us being forgiven is greater than how we feel, how our hearts are condemning us in that moment. And it, and it doesn't just stop there. It says, and he knows everything. He knew you were going to do that thing you just did 10 seconds ago when he died for you 2,000 years ago, and he chose to do it anyway. When he paid the price, when he paid his blood, when Jesus poured his blood out for your sin, he was pouring your sin, his blood out for that one, knowing you would do it. You're forgiven of that too. So you can set your heart at rest from a guilty conscience because of your faith in him. And instead of shrinking back, thinking, oh, I'm just a filthy, rotten sinner. No, you are not that mistake. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So when you remember that in faith, you can run into your father's arms like a kid that just got caught saying, daddy, 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 I never want to do that again. Yeah, man, freedom. <clears throat> the blood satisfies God. Number two, the blood satisfies us, our guilty conscience. Now it's about to get good. That's grace, right? We don't deserve that. That's getting what we don't deserve. We do not deserve that at all. Religion is all about performance. And there's a religious spirit, religious mindset that I'm about to contradict with everything. So if it, this is the religious mindset. If these thoughts are coming into your mind right now, it's from a religious spirit. Hold on, pastor. Wait a second. <laughs> that, are, are you one of those greasy grace preachers? Are you saying that just because, like, I, I can cleanse my mind of a guilty conscience because of what he did, now I can just go and do whatever I want? I just stepped on some people's toes. Look, don't, just listen to the rest of this message, all right? Romans chapter 6, verse 1, because he knew, Paul, just like me, he knew, Paul knew that you were going to be asking that same question. Paul, Paul was asked the same question. He preached the same grace that I'm preaching. And Paul was asked the same question. Look what he wrote. Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We're talking here about the cross of Christ, his death. We understand the blood, now we must understand the cross. It's 100% fact that Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago. You believe that? If you believe that, I want you to say, if you believe that Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago for you, I want you to say amen. amen. Hmm. If you believe that you died on a cross 2,000 years ago with Jesus, I want you to say amen. I'm impressed. That second amen was a, a little bit louder than I expected it to be. I was expecting to say, uh-huh, but you guys, I'm going to go through it anyway. Most Christians, 
have a problem believing that. They hear it. They've heard, I've died with Christ. I've died with Christ. I've died with Christ. But they really don't know it deep down in their knower. Because I'm still living. What's going on? Right? Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. For we know that our old self was crucified, past tense, was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. We should no longer be slaves to sin. Everybody say, no longer slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Say, has been set free from sin. Wait a second. There's so many churches that are preaching that we're not set free from sin. They're liars. Don't listen to that junk anymore. Let me explain. I'm sorry, I just got on a high horse. <laughs> got, on, got on my... Okay. You are a new creation and not created to be a slave of sin. As a new creation in Christ, you are set free from sin because you died to it. Imagine this. I want you to imagine this. Imagine your weakness, your, the, the, the sin, the quote-unquote sin that you've always struggled with, that bad habit that you've, you just couldn't get rid of, you couldn't kick. It just wouldn't go away, right? Now imagine nobody else is in the room right now, and that is in front of you. That opportunity, whether it's drugs, alcohol, women, men, I don't care, that opportunity is right here, and not only is it right there, it's tempting you. It's saying, come on, come on, nobody's looking. Nobody, you have the opportunity, and, and it's, it's just right here. You should, you should just do it. Now, at, you, you, you got that picture? Okay, now check this out. Would you, would you do that? Some of you are like, probably, I don't know. <laughs> right? Now, let me set the stage. Right now, you had a heart attack. Your heart exploded. Everybody is now lying, I know this is morbid, but this is Christianity, okay? So everybody is lying on the ground now, dead, not breathing, heart's not pumping, there's no chance of you coming back to life. Whatsoever, you're dead, right here, right now. Your heart exploded, it's a done deal. Now that same opportunity to sin is put right in front of you. Are you gonna sin? No, you're dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 7. Come on, that was, that was good. Romans chapter 6, verse 7. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 2. By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Romans chapter 6, verse 6. It's about to get real good. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I already said that. You are no longer a slave to sin because you have died to sin. You've been set free from sin. And you say this, wait, hold on. I still feel very much alive to sin. I mean, I look down and I feel very much alive to sin. In yourself, you are very much alive to sin. But guess what? 
you are not in yourself anymore. You are in Christ, and in Christ, and in Christ alone, you have died to sin, and you are free from sin. You are in Christ. There's nothing that can take you out of that. See yourselves in Christ, and know because you're in Christ, you are dead to sin and alive to him. Let me drive that home. Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. I'm in 1 Corinthians. It flipped on me. Watch this. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that, now focus here on what 9 through 11 is saying, or 9, 9 and 10 is saying. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. I don't see, most, most Christians don't have issues with that verse, those verses. Right? Jesus did that. Jesus died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God perfectly and holy and amazing and that's awesome. We believe that, right? Now look at the, same, the next verse. In the same way. Whoa. Count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way. Now, let's go back because it's in the same way. Let's go back and read those two verses, verse 9 and 10, with I instead of Christ. Because it's in the same way just as Christ. For we know that since I was raised from the dead, I cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over me. The death I died, I died to sin once for all. But the life I live, I live to God. In the same way. Is, is that, am I a heretic now? I, I am? No. <laughs> In the same way, right? Man, that's the gospel. That is so good. So now maybe we can understand Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I don't live by faith in me. I live by faith in him because I'm in him. I live by faith in what he says about me, not about how I feel in the moment, because I know what he says about me is true. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. What does that mean? Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let's start here. If that's how I'm going to live, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Mm. Jesus is amazing. You're free. You're free. I mean, it's awesome. You're alive to Him, you're in Christ. You can set, you, your guilty conscience, 
You can say, wait, wait, no, 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 no. I'm running to him. When I say fall forward, that's what I mean. We're falling forward into his arms. We're no longer entangled. When, when, I, when I mess up, I'm like, no, that's, I don't even want to do that. Why did that happen? I, for a moment, looked at myself and, and, and got distracted from Jesus, but no longer. I'm not going to stay stuck there in that mistake. No, that mistake's forgiven. I'm moving forward in him, and every mistake is an opportunity to grow and look more like him and never do that again. So, baptism. Baptism is a burial ceremony. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. I think we're ready. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We, therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... The glory of the Father, we too may, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is a burial ceremony, and I've said this at every baptism, and I'm going to say it again, because I think we can get it a little bit deeper now. I understand it deeper now. When you're burying a loved one, you don't bury them unless they're dead. If there's any opportunity for them to get off of their deathbed, you don't put them in the ground. At all. That would be dumb. However, when you know that they're dead, they're not coming back, then you bury them. And it's actually kind of a public thing. You bring people to the burial ceremony, you, and, you, and you put them in the ground. Baptism is a burial ceremony. When we go under the water, it's representing what we already know. We have died with Christ. This, the old, old me is gone, never to come back again. Never. It's a done deal. But what if I make a mistake? You are not your mistake. You're new in him. We're going to continue moving forward. You go into the water, I have died with Christ. And then here's the beautiful part. You come up out of the water, it's representing I have been raised to new life in him. In him, and him in me, his resurrection life in you has raised you to new life and is now empowering you daily to walk by the Spirit instead of walking by your old ways. Why? Because we're in relationship with him and we're listening to him daily and we're following him daily because he's made us new and we can't help it. We're addicted to it. That's a good addiction, man. Isn't that awesome? turn that down just a little bit. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for who we are in you. Thank you, God, that it's no longer we who live, but you who live in us. Thank you for the picture of what that is in baptism. Now, there's some people in here, what I said is only applicable for those of you that have received Jesus. You've received the blood. You've received what he's done for you. You've, you've given your life to him, you know? But there's some people in here, as I'm talking, you're, you're, you're hearing all of this and you're like, 
Some of it's making sense, some of it's not. And at the same time, you just know that you want a relationship with this God that I'm speaking about. And you don't have one. If that's you, nobody's looking around right now. If it, Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Nobody's looking around. I want to speak to you personally in your seat. If that's you, would you raise your hand high? You want a relationship with God. Does anybody want a relationship with God? Raise it high. You say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I see you. I see, I see, your, I see your hand. That's I see your hand, that's two. Anybody else? Come on. I see your hand, that's three. Anybody else? Want a relationship with Jesus? Has never given their life to Jesus and say, you know what? I want my sins forgiven. I want my past uh, wiped away. I want to walk in the newness of life. Anybody else? That's amazing. Three's enough. <laughs> Would you three, everybody else, close your eyes, bow head, about head. Would you three look at me? Because I want to speak to you. Just, just look at my face. I see you. I see you. I see you. I'm going to ask you some questions. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again and you confess with your mouth that he's your Lord, that, that you're giving your life to him, right? That, that you're following him instead of following you, that you will be saved. You will be born again. You'll be made new from the heart. Is that what you want? Just shake your head yes if that's what you want. Yeah? Is that what you want? Oh, man, I love it. It's a, it's a big deal. So we're going to pray a prayer, okay? And this prayer, just mean it with everything you have. And, and, and just say it with me if you mean it, you know? But mean it from your heart. This is the biggest decision you ever make in your life. You ready to pray this with me? All right. Close your eyes and know that the, the Father is here. And would, would everybody just kind of say this together just to, to support them? But say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've never known you as my Heavenly Father, but I want to. I've been living for me. Right now, I choose to live for you. I believe you died for me. Jesus, thank you. I believe you rose again. Thank you. Forgive me of all of my junk. I give you my life. And guess what? The Bible says that you're forgiven. The Bible says that you are forgiven right now. So I want, I want to do the second part. I want you to close your eyes. And I just, in faith, based on his word, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. Everybody say this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I am forgiven. Thank you that I am loved by you. Thank you that I'm your son or daughter. That I'm yours. Teach me to walk in you. Amen and amen. Would you guys give a big old hand clap? We just had three people give their life to Jesus. If you gave your life to Jesus, I want you to, on that card, I want you to check the box that said, I committed my life to Jesus or I gave my life to Jesus. And I want you to, to put that either in the giving box or outside, hand it to somebody. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. 
Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.